Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I want to welcome you to our special series of Money Sense, specifically dedicated to providing valuable information regarding the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. For nearly 30 years, I have been helping listeners learn how to relate many of life's situations to their finances. This pandemic has caused wide-scale disruption in nearly every sector of our lives. No matter your personal situation, we strive to meet you where you are at, both financially and emotionally. Our guests during this series include a futurist, economist, physician, psychologist, as well as local Milwaukee business professionals to get their perspective on how you can apply their insight and expertise to your financial future. This important series will be aired on WISN AM 1130 during our regular Money Sense times, which are Saturdays at 2 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at noon. They will also be available on demand at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We hope you will find these informative and be sure to share them with your family and your friends. My guest today is Frank Cumberbatch, and he is the Vice President of Engagement for the Bader Foundation. And this is all about investing in, in the community and in people. And so, Frank, welcome to the show. Thank you. I know that when we had talked, you said your job is to understand what is happening with the quality of life in our community, and that would be, be Milwaukee. What does that actually mean and what does it entail? It seems quite broad. It's very broad. It's, it's really about um, being connected to the ground so you could uh, see how events in our community is affecting our citizens. In, this, in, in recent times, right, um, COVID-19 has had a major, major impact on the quality of life and our, and, and, and our citizens. Now, some of these events could be from the outside, you know. So, for example, um, a man put his knee on the neck of another man. And before you know it, everybody who, uh, who cares about humanity, regardless of your race, were affected by that. And so my job is then to, how do... How do we react to this? People are protesting. People are upset. They're very upset of every race. I've, I, I've, I've never seen white people so upset about something that's effect, that really, some may say, didn't affect them, had nothing to do with them. Well, it does, right? You know, this was the first time that because we were all at home with COVID that yeah. I mean, that man died in my living room every single night for a week. Yeah, yeah. And it and, affected you, didn't it? And it affected me. Yeah. And and it was so compelling. And it didn't matter to me the race that the humanness and the unhumanness exactly. yeah. is what touched me. That's right. And so And so my job then is to figure out what do we do? Now, you may... Let's say you're you're a young mom, you you know just got married. You have you have two little kids. Well, the impact of what's going on will have a different impact on you because of the kids. 
they may close the daycare. And, and so now what? And so we have to understand how to improve or maintain the quality of life for our citizens. So I can give you a specific example. We, what we do here at the foundation is give grants to nonprofit organizations. And those organizations help with services, again, to improve the quality of life for folks in the, in the community. We give grants four times a year, but here comes COVID-19. Our nonprofits then sent people home because it's not safe. You send people home, you lose productivity, right? And then you lose the services to the community. So what did we do? We quickly pivoted and created a process where money could go out the door much quicker than every three months, because we do it four times a year, so that those nonprofits could continue to keep their staff, keep them paid, because again, we don't want any more people to be affected, to keep them paid and try to keep the doors open and see if you could serve for as long as you can. That's the kind of movement that I get to, you know, to assist with and, and, and try to improve people's lives. You're in the middle of it all then, and you need to be in, in order to distinguish where you're going to put those funds and how quickly you can administer them. So if we look at what you, you had said, all these people who are affected immediately, there's no daycare. We had, there's suicide is up. We yeah. have had people who um, were dependent on sources such as AA and mm -hmm. Those weren't available. And then our churches were stopped, which was a, a, an avenue of communication for so many people. Yeah. And so that was sort of like the senior front centers, end of everything. Senior centers were closed where the seniors went yes. to, 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 to just have just have fellowship with their with their peers, you know, have a meal together, all of these types of things. I lost maybe 10 of my friends. You, you know, I pick up the paper every morning. Oh, oh. Here, so-and-so died last night. That was a friend of mine. And so you then have to start to think about, well, so this is happening. But beyond that, what is the long tail repercussion of this? All of these people belong to a family. They worked somewhere. They knew someone. Where will they be buried? When? You can't go to the funeral. Life just got turned upside down through, throughout this whole thing. And I had to keep a level head to try to figure out then how do we keep some normalcy, if you could do that, throughout this whole thing. So we're looking at the challenges of the initial surprise of this happening because it took everybody by surprise. And, you know, I think truly, uh, Frank, this is one of the first times that I know that collectively People were thinking and feeling things. And the reason for that is, for the first time in our lifetime, we were all in the same boat. It didn't matter how much money you have. It didn't matter where you lived. It didn't matter what your title was or how many letters you had behind your name. We were all equal. And so that made it very, very interesting than in how we dealt with it. And then lastly, we were so unprepared for, yes. for this virus. And we meaning the planet, 
I'm talking about all of us humans. The scientists didn't know exactly what they're dealing with. I don't even know if they know if they still know what this thing really is and how it affects us. That made it very interesting also. But you know what? There, there were some silver linings yes. in this whole thing. And I'll give you an example. This, what we're doing right now. Now we can have a meeting with the click of a mouse. You want to meet with me? Just meet me on Zoom, right? <laughs> you, you know how, how long they've been trying to, to create uh, work from home and, and teleconferencing and trying to make this a thing? And like that, it's all we had. So we had, yeah. to, we had to, to, to use it. There are some silver linings. Uh, the other thing I think is, um, is a positive. It gave us some pause. I sat every, every day now, uh, my wife and my kids and I have dinner together. Yes. And we talk at the kitchen table. We haven't done that for years, you know. Um, just things like that. You sit and enjoy a movie together. In chaos, sometimes come you know, some, some, some positives. And there are some positives that we could take from this. My guest today is Frank Cumberbatch, and he is the Vice President of Engagement for, I always think of it as the Bader Foundation. I've always thought of it that way. And really what we've been talking about today is how Frank is really jumping in with both feet into our community to discern um, how can how can the Bader Foundation improve the quality of life in in the community? And they've done that in several different ways. And when we come back, let's let's take a look at where we're going. And and I I know that that's a really broad again concept, but we're seeing that people just aren't maybe going to go out as people thought. Open a restaurant doesn't mean they'll come open a business doesn't mean you're going to still have clients and people coming back. And so what, what do you see that can be done, not only just by the Bader Foundation, but by our community to support and help our community? And with that, we'll be back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and the senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today on Money Sense is Frank Cumberbatch, and he is the vice president of engagement for the Bader Foundation. And we were talking about how he is just jumping in and really trying to discern where they can best put their money and their efforts to help our community to stay afloat, basically. It's sort of that a life raft and a life jacket all at once. But I do worry that we're going to be seeing some businesses close. Some people just won't make it. And the whole idea of the small little businesses are are really the most important part of our community. Some of the early on entrepreneurs and some of those that have been business for a long time, how can people help each other in our own communities? And, you know, we have seen some things going on with people demonstrating and destroying things. And then we've seen people that not only did they go through COVID and they're on their feet and then things get destroyed and havoc occurs, what can the community do? What can we do? What could I do to help things? Well, um, one of the first things I would advise the, the listeners and you is um, you have to separate two things, the cause and the effect. Okay? So we have to, we, we, we have to focus here on 
more of cause than effect. Because, I mean, without COVID-19 or, or protests or whatever, businesses come and businesses go. Okay, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a phenomenon in, in economics. Um, but I think if we have to advance as a society, we have to spend some time taking stock how we got here. Is this the best we can be as a community? And how do we do better? African-American businesses, businesses of people of color, do not have the same opportunities as small white businesses. The numbers are clear. It's more difficult for them to get a bank loan. They don't have the network that others have for the sale of their products. They don't have access to as many mentors and folks who could just help them develop, right? But African-American businesses are a major part of all communities in this country. So as we move forward, if we want to have a better Milwaukee, doesn't it make sense that the leadership of, of this community, of this region, to be honest with you, should take stock as to how do we do better, help the African-American business or business person, a young entrepreneur, be more successful? How do we help organizations like BizStarts, who, who are so committed to helping that cohort of businesses I'm, I'm talking about, to be successful and give them the, the technical knowledge, the, the emotional support, the market access to be successful. So if we want to be better, if we come out on the other end of this COVID-19, and we want to not have the Milwaukee we had before COVID-19, it is incumbent upon all of us to band together to help. Because if we help those businesses succeed, we all succeed. And so that's what I am hoping to see uh, our business leadership in, in large publicly traded corporations do small ones. Let's all be part of the supply chain and see to it that everyone gets a piece of the uh, access to a piece of the pie, to the opportunity to succeed. Is that what you talk about when you... What you're describing seems like a really underserved community um, that's right in the heart of our community, actually, of our city. And is that what you talk about when you think about the economics of racial equality? Yeah, yeah, because racial equality has, there, there is an economic side to it. You know, again, instead of complaining about how rundown these neighborhoods are, right? Instead of complaining that black men are lazy or they, they, they don't know how to hold a job, that's, that's, these are the wrong questions and the wrong way to go about building community. Why don't we, why don't we spend time doing a deeper, again, look at the cause? What are the systems and policies in our government, in business, that makes it difficult for, for a demographic of people 
to participate in the American dream. And, wh and while we're at it, why don't we be intentional in a positive way to not just ask what we can do, to wake up every morning saying, we will improve the black neighborhood. We will educate children of color. It's not a matter of if, we must do it. Because if we don't get into our psyche about what it is we will accomplish as a community, we will fail. And I will tell you, that failure eventually will bring us all down. It's, it, it's, it's not going to be a failure of, of Black people to the benefit of white people. We will all suffer from it. So why don't we take the approach, yes, the economics of equity, to bring everybody into that boat, raise the boat, because they're all customers. Black people buy cars, they buy groceries, they buy furniture for their homes, they buy homes. Even under this, the, the, the restrictions of buying a home, they still find a way to buy a home. So they're customers, they're participants in that economic structure. So why is it that we will ignore them? It doesn't make any sense. You know, I think when I hear you talk, so many people live in fear and yes. they get up and they put their antennas on and they look for what's wrong. They don't look mm -hmm. for what's right. And That's I right. think for this whole COVID-19 and what's happened in our community and around the world, people are starting to look in the mirror and see that they're looking for what's wrong and not right. what's right. And I believe right. that people want to live by what they trust, not by what they fear. And yes. it's, a, it's, it's a small walk, it's a small baby steps in both directions, but I'm experiencing what you're experiencing. People want things to be different. And finding the leadership and someone who's gonna model what that difference looks like, which is what I'm hearing that your job is, the Bader Foundation is, is to help people understand and to model different ways of creating change and a platform for change. Because I, you know, I have to be very honest until all of this landed in my living room and every single night I'm, I'm watching this. Um, I don't, I would have sit, sat back and said, you know, I don't discriminate. And, and yet I found myself um, in judgment many times and the first step is catching yourself and the first step is your awareness that we're all human we're all vulnerable and we just have to do better and we can do better but i find that in these different communities and the lack of education is on both fronts is missing for so many of us people who have lived in a bubble we're all guilty of it because it comes from a lack of relationships. People are afraid of what they don't know. Yes. That's where that comes from, right? It's because of a lack of relationships. And I blame us all for that. I take some responsibility for that myself, even though I, I have relationships with thousands of people. So I say to those who could hear my voice, that if you, regardless of your color, regardless of your economic standing, 
if you do a simple, simple thing, find someone who is completely different from you and have them come and sit at your kitchen table. Now, it might, might have to be some social distancing and a mask involved, but that's where we are, right? If you just do that little experiment, share some food, you will find that you have so much more in common. At the end of that meal, you would say to yourself, what was it I was afraid of? What is it? And so we all have a role to play in that. And I hope that both sides, all sides will come together and try to fix that, build relationships. And these, this fear and the ignorance will just be minimized. My guest today is Frank Cumberbatch, and he is the Vice President of Engagement, Bader Philanthropic. And uh, we have been talking about our community, how the Bader Foundation is finding ways to go into the communities and offer services that have really been impacted by COVID-19, much, much more so than under normal circumstances. But when we come back, Frank, um, from our break, I know that you have been working with BizStarts and that you are also taking a look at launching some programs to help businesses within our community to not only um, survive, but to start up because there is so much brilliant minds out there with so many great ideas and it's the roots of our community. And this is so exciting to me. I happened to be one of the first board members of BizStarts when it started. Yeah. And, you know, we had so many lofty ideas of how we were going to do it. But what's really happened over time is that this, this tunnel has formed and they're looking at our community and people um, of all color who want to start a company. And so I'm really excited to hear about that in our next segment. And with that, we'll be right back. My guest today is Frank Kammerbach, and he is with the Bader Foundation, and his job is really to, he's got his marching orders to go into the community and to really take a look at what's working and what's not working. And of course, all these interviews that I'm doing on COVID-19 are really to open up a door for us to understand better what the heck are we hearing and what's going on, and if we should choose, what is it we might want to do? But I think once we're educated, and we talked about that a little bit before the break, once we feel that we have education, we understand something, it does take away the fear. But you know, Frank, I forgot to ask you, and I really am curious as to what are some of the hurdles that you face in, in this job? Because it, it is a broad spectrum of the things that you're covering, but you must, to me, it would be like you're almost walking a tightrope all the time. Is that true? Not, not, I wouldn't say I'm walking a tightrope, but it does get frustrating a little bit um, when I'm trying to convince someone to, to see the world in a different way or to, or to help. It gets quite frustrating. And, and so one of my biggest hurdles is just to get people to understand the role that they could play because especially white people they always said to me well frank what can i do i, I, don't, I don't understand what to do i i am I, I wish i could help 
So I recommend that if, if folks would like to read a great, great book that answers these questions, they can read White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. Okay, and it, and it explains exactly that. How should white people function in this world of, of race relations and, and equity, you know, et cetera? You know, the other day I heard a scientist said, you know, you know what's the moonshot for this country? The moonshot for this country is that we have an equitable and sustainable country. If we don't get those two things right, we really really are in some serious trouble. And um, I'd like for my children and my grandchildren to have a world that's much better than the world we live in today. And so that's what motivates me to wake up in the morning and try to make this world, which could be a block, the city, the state, our great country and this world a better place. You know, so much of what happens is all about profitability. Yes. Companies that have to be profitable, profitable, profitable. And I think in many cases, we've lost the real idea of sustainability. And sustainability is communication, it's connection, it's respect, it's walking your talk, it's living by your values. And I do think that that's going to have to, that will change. We can be profitable and be sustainable. Yes. We can do both. Yes. I believe so. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing and what you see as an opportunity to help individuals who really want to be entrepreneurs, who have a great idea. They just don't know how to get started. They don't know how to bring it, the dream to fruition. Right. In this great experiment they call the United States, the foundation of that experiment the bit is business. Business is capitalism. Business is what makes this country the greatest country on the planet. For a group of people, African-American people, Latino people to some degree, they historically were workers more than they were owners. So we have this mindset shift that we have to make. You have to get a significant amount of people to become owners versus workers. They worked in the fields in the South. They came, they left the South, they came here to Milwaukee, and they worked in our great factories. We went from a manufacturing type of, of, of uh, society to an information society. And they didn't come along in that shift. The factories closed, they went to Mexico and China, and we had high, high unemployment. With that unemployment came a long tail of problems, alcoholism, drug addiction, crime, you name it. And that's not a black thing. That's just how societies function. It's just the impact of when you have these losses. We do work in in Europe and we go to certain parts of the Czech Republic or certain parts of Israel and we see the same, same thing. So here comes organizations like BizStarts, and and I'm so grateful for it. And and folks like Patrick Snyder and and Dan Steiniger, I mean, just wonderful people who are saying, no, we have to lift folks who don't have this experience into the world of capitalism. 
And so BizStarts is, is structured to teach minorities, people of color, mainly African-Americans, how to start a business, how to identify the need in your community and fill that need. What is profit? How do we make money? How do you pay your bills, pay your taxes? And we are having great success along the way in doing exactly that. Because again, the studies are clear. People of color hire people of color. They hire people from right around in the neighborhood. We have a, we have a, a swath of land we call Century City here, right in the, in the middle of the city. That's maybe two-thirds empty. We should all have an obligation to fill that with small business, with manufacturing, with technology, you name it. You know, you sent me some information and um, the Wall Street Journal said that there was 41% of black business owners disappeared in April of 2020. That is, that is a devastating hit. I mean, I can't even almost wrap my arms around that. Yeah. No, you can't. You know why? It's really, really devastating because they do not have access to financing to, again, a network that could help rebuild. Many of those will not reopen. They just cannot weather this storm that we're in right now. So, but it raises the question, what's the responsibility? Is there a responsibility for the greater community to help? And what is that responsibility? Should we be putting double, triple, quadruple amount of money into organizations like BizStarts to get many more going to fill those needs or even those who cannot rise up to help them? Where are the banks to say, we can, let's help with a loan at a very, very low interest or even no interest or pay interest only for the next two years? Where are they? We can do this, folks. This is the United States of America. You can't tell me we cannot help. Do you know, Frank, um, I'm at that point where people say to me all the time, when are you retiring? <laughs> when are you going <laughs> to retire? And of course, you know, I, my daughter says I'm, I'm the worst retiree that's ever been around that I haven't a clue how to retire. And that's true. I don't see you as a retiree. I've been doing this for over 30 some years. And I really think I'm at the best that I've ever been. I mean, I've been through so many markets. I've been through yeah. so many life cycles. I've been through so many clients' life cycles. I feel that I have so much to bring to the table right now that to cast myself to the side to do things that certainly are fun, but they don't keep me engaged. I wonder how we can engage so many of those wonderful retirees that are retiring today that certainly are financially set. They, they don't have to work. They have choices to make. But how do we get them to be bringing brain power into our community? Because they're just like me. They've got so much going on in their heads. They've got so much information. Yeah. And to be able to take a young entrepreneur and to be able to swaddle them in information and, and encouragement would be amazing. And we've got all these retirees that don't know how to re-engage themselves. How can we do that? 
Yeah. A big tell billboard. Them to, tell them to call <laughs> me. I would I show them. Call me or call Patrick Snyder down at BizStarts. We are overflowing with opportunity. You hit onto something here because there's so many people who still have they're mentally strong, they're still physically strong, but they may have retired from that career. To get they, rid of the stress. Yeah. But why not bring, to bring this, get rid of the stress, but why not bring the love of what you do back? It will be such an enjoyment to see when they come in, to see them build a community that I could just picture. They will just have so much fun and such joy. And these folks are waiting. One of the things I think people will come to realize is that if they come into the inner city of Milwaukee and spend time with people who, who want to own a business, who just want to better their lives, it's just that simple. They want a future for their children. They want safety for their parents and their, and their loved ones. And they just want an opportunity. They just want a chance. They don't want any more than anybody else. That's all they want is a chance. They don't want anybody to hold their hands and deliver them to Nirvana. They just, just, just please help show me the way. And I will, I will run. That's what they want. So, yes, you're doing it. You are already doing it by what you're doing here. I so appreciate you having me come on your show. And, because there's so much to talk about, so much. We haven't talked about commercial real estate in the, in the community. We haven't talked about you know, education in the, in the community and different things we could do to educate the children outside of the norm of what's going on. There's so much we can do. But all I could say to those who listen to your show, if you want to do more for your business, do more for your community. You know, I've always thought that when you lift up someone else, you lift up yourself. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It's, it's such a joy. So I am getting the word that I've got to take a break. And when we come back, one of the things that I realized that we didn't talk about was what is the Bader Foundation and Helen Bader and yes, how did yes. it get started? Because that's a, a foundation that's been around forever and has, has like such a, an amazing reputation in our community. And I know that it's always been about investing in the people and investing in communities. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. My guest today is Frank Cumberbatch, and it's really been about what's happened in our community with COVID-19 and also looking forward. And when I did the last segment, I realized that I had talked about the Bader Foundation, but maybe Frank, you can just give us a couple minutes on the foundation and how it got started and what they're really doing within our community and have been doing for a very long time. Well, I, I'm, this, is, this is a great test to see if I could do it within a couple of minutes um, <laughs> here. I'd be remiss if I talk about Bader Philanthropies and not go back to Alfred Bader. Alfred Bader is, was born in Vienna. He was sent to England prior to World War II. From England, I think when he turned 18, uh, the laws of England deemed him a prisoner of war. 
all prisoners of war had to leave, he got sent to Canada. In Canada, as a young boy, he tried to apply to university in Canada. Nobody would, would take him. The excuse was, we are filled with the amount of Jews we can take into the university. The only university that took him was Queen's University. He got a degree in chemistry at Queen's University, uh, went to Harvard, got a PhD, and found his way to Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, he started a company called Aldrich Chemical. And Aldrich Chemical was always, Aldrich Chemical and Alfred uh, felt beholden to the African-American community. So one of their very first employees was an African-American female that they hired. Aldrich Chemical was sold, and the, the corporates from that sale created the Helen Bader Foundation, that and, was in 1992. Yeah, yeah. And the, um, the Alfred and Isabel Bader Foundation. Helen Bader Foundation was supposed to sunset a few years ago, and there was a, a change of heart on that sunset. And the Helen Bader Foundation and the Isabel and Alfred Bader Foundation came together to form Bader Philanthropies. We serve in Wisconsin, in rural Wisconsin, we, we, we serve the elderly. Uh, Helen Bader was, was a social worker. She went, to, she went back to school in her later years, became a social worker, and Alzheimer's and aging was very important to her, and, and it's still important to the foundation. Employment, of course, is, is very important to us, and, and especially employments that's difficult for some of the, the, the people having some serious issues being employed. Uh, the arts, Alfred Bader is a world-renowned, was a world-renowned art collector. And so the arts is also very important. Of course, Alfred Bader was a Jew. And so we do a lot of work in Israel. We do a lot of work in Europe, mainly in the Czech Republic. So we're a global foundation. We, um, we, we've been serving this community for a long, long time. Um, and we I think you've also communities. given over 300 million. We give a lot, of, a, a lot of money and it's made a major impact in this community and we'll be here for a long, long time to come. My guest today is Frank Cumberbatch and he did mention a book earlier that I would like to say again, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. He said that it's a really good book if you're interested in getting a little bit more deeper insight into how we think and how, the, how we can maybe move forward and broaden our perspectives and be more engaging. And I always say for me and when I talk to my kids that you know, it's all about connection, not disconnection. And if we can go into a conversation wanting to know that I want to be connected to you and I'm willing to be curious to figure out how to do that, I think it would make a huge difference in our community. What, what words would you like to leave with my listeners today in looking at this big and very deep and difficult conversation that we're having. And I know that you talked that there's so many things that we haven't looked at and education being one of them, um, real estate, commercial real estate, and all of the different things that our, our community is struggling with, not, not even in just our Afro-American and Black community, but there are so many entrepreneurs out there that just feel that they haven't gotten a shot and, and they, they don't know how to do that. So what would you encourage them? I know you're doing this kickoff in the near future. 
What can people look forward to? I think I'd like to leave people with the thought that we all have something to contribute to this world, regardless of your race, regardless of your age, regardless of what you have or don't have. I would ask everyone to take stock of themselves. What have you done today to make your world a better place? Be honest with yourself. If you don't know how to make your world a better place, find someone who does. Spend some time with somebody who is completely different from you. Have the interaction with an open mind. Be empathetic. Come with the intent of learning, not judging. See people as simply that, people. If we only recognize each other as just human beings, we well on our way to improve our own lives and the lives of everybody around us. I want to thank you for the time to be here with you. I want to thank, thank the listeners for participating. And let's make Milwaukee a better Milwaukee than we had pro-COVID-19. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to our COVID-19 edition of Money Sense. Our goal is to provide valuable information so that you can feel more confident in your financial decisions. You can listen to this show and any that you may have missed at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. To discuss these topics and more with one of our wealth advisors, call us at 262 691 3200 or visit ellenbecker.com for a complimentary consultation.